Welcome back to Monsters Are People, hosted by Cece. Today we'll be covering the heartbreaking case of Ricky Neve. If you are sensitive to crimes involving young victims, please click off now. Ricky's case begins when he is reported missing and later found murdered back in 1994. Ricky was the son of Ruth Neve and Trevor Harvey and he had three sisters, Rebecca who was eight, Rochelle who was only three and Sheridine who was six months old at the time that he died. Ruth, his mother, had had a troubled life and she went through some pretty tough stuff. At age two she was placed into the foster care system and by the time she was a teenager she was sent to a centre for problem girls called Salters which was in Peterborough. Her biological parents actually ended up making a suicide pact, and tragically, they both died by the time she was only 24 years old. It's reported that Ruth had struggled with substance abuse and addiction at this time. Ruth went on to meet Trevor when she was a teenager, and they became a couple. They moved in together and started a family. They welcomed their son Ricky on the 4th of March 1988, when Ruth was 19 years old. Trevor and Ruth did try to make their relationship work, but they ended up splitting up in 1991, when Ricky would have been around three. Trevor's since spoken out to say that while he was with Ruth, she wasn't into drugs and she had never harmed Ricky. By November 1991, not long after her split with Trevor, Ruth married Dean Neve, who would become Ricky's stepdad. It was believed that Dean and Ricky didn't like each other. How anyone can dislike a six-year-old child is beyond my understanding, but that is how their relationship is described. It was claimed that Ruth had written letters to Dean which highlighted some of the abuse that Ricky had been suffering. She said she had burned him, punched him, and apparently claimed that she wanted to kill him. She just couldn't. The family did have social work involvement and Ricky was actually classed as an at-risk child. Following Ricky's death, his mother Ruth actually went to trial in 1996. She was accused of child neglect and cruelty and was suspected of killing Ricky. Ruth did plead guilty to the charges of neglect and cruelty but denied murdering Ricky, and she was cleared of the charge of murder. I think that the fact he was classed as at risk was a serious understatement. If all these claims were true, those children should have been removed from her care immediately. Ruth did plead guilty to cruelty and neglect to three out of her four children, including Ricky, and she actually served six years out of a seven-year sentence for that. But she now claims that she should never have pleaded guilty, and she claims that most of the descriptions of abuse were false. She said that she had never claimed to be the perfect mum and she never denied disciplining her children, but she does now deny the claims of abuse. There have been a lot of allegations made about Ruth's parenting and she was found guilty in a court of law for cruelty and neglect. Although she now stands by her innocence, I think it's important to outline these claims. Many witnesses did come forward, including neighbours and social workers. Some of these witnesses claimed to have seen Ricky locked out of his home late at night crying. Another claimed that she had written idiot on his forehead and would squirt washing up liquid into his mouth as a form of discipline. One of the scariest claims is that Ruth had dangled Ricky over a bridge by his feet in July 1992, when Ricky would have only been four years old. Others claimed that she would often verbally degrade him and one spoke of an incident where during a physical attack on Ricky, he sobbed, I love you, mummy. Others said how Ruth would use her son to pick up drugs from her dealer. These claims are absolutely heartbreaking if it is true, and no child in this world should ever have to suffer like that. Children should be protected by everyone around them. 
I would like to stress the importance of reporting any concerns you have for a child's welfare to social services. Or if you think a child is in immediate danger and it cannot wait, phone the police. Rochelle, Ruth's daughter, who was three at the time of Ricky's murder, has spoken out since Ricky's death. She said how, although she was quite a young child, she still had memories of the abuse she and her siblings went through, including one time where her sister, I'm assuming Rebecca because Sheridan was only six months old, was dragged up the stairs by her hair by Ruth, their mother. All of Ricky's siblings were put into foster care following Ricky's murder and they were later adopted. Ruth has said in the past that she believes that her family all blame her for Ricky's death. Ruth even went as far as to say that she believed that her children had been brainwashed against her because people hadn't been delivering letters that she had written to them over the years. She also insinuated that she would be open to reconnecting by saying that the children know where she is if they ever want to talk. Social workers also gave evidence at the trial and have since been criticised for not protecting the children in her care. One social worker made claims that Ruth had begged them to take Ricky and she also made claims that she threatened she would hang him from the ceiling. Another social worker said that the day before he was reported missing, Ruth had actually made threats to kill Ricky. Another social worker was handed a copy of a story that Ruth had been writing about getting away with the perfect murder, although this story was about a man and a woman, not a young child. If these claims are all true, how in the world was Ricky and his sisters still in her care? I know they were overworked, but kids falling through the cracks like that is just simply unacceptable. The Social Services Inspectorate carried out an inspection in 1997, and they actually made 40 recommendations to improve the standard of child protective services in that area. They recognised that there had been serious failings by social work in Ricky's case. Ricky Neve's report can be found online if you are interested in reading it. Other claims at the time included that Ruth was into the occult. This was around the time of satanic panic and when anyone was a little bit different, they were seen as devil worshippers. And Ruth does admit to liking tarot cards and scary novels by Stephen King. She denies practising devil worship and being a member of the occult. Now that you've got a little bit of background, I'm going to go into the day that this case begins. On the day that Ricky was discovered missing. It's been 26 years since Ricky left for school one morning. It was Monday the 28th of November, 1994. Ruth, his mum, said that he left his house around 8.30am. He was only six years old and he was wearing grey trousers, a white shirt, black shoes and a blue coat. Ruth had said that that morning Ricky got himself dressed. She gave him some cereal and she had intended to walk the seven minute walk to his school with him. But before she got the chance, he ran out of the door so fast he ended up walking himself. Ruth would be heavily criticised for this over the years, and I'm sure she regrets this decision now. Ricky's movements on the day that he disappeared have been investigated over the years. Police went through multiple witness sightings, and they found which ones were the most credible with accurate time estimates. A witness did confirm that he had arrived at the school front, but before the bell had rung, he had headed towards the local shops. Although Ricky had left for school that day, he ended up not attending. Throughout the rest of that day, there would be multiple sightings of Ricky around these shops, so it is believed that he had spent the day in this area. There had been abandoned houses nearby that children would often go to and hang around in. Ricky's school attendance wasn't perfect, but Ruth claimed that the school hadn't contacted her to let her know that her son had been truanting that day. Ruth also claimed that Ricky would hang around with older children who would get him into all sorts of trouble. They would have him steal from houses, because of his smaller frame, he would be able to get inside the properties more easily. Some witnesses did come forward and say that while he was at the shops that day, he was accompanied by two older kids. 
Ruth didn't actually report her son missing until around 6pm that night after he failed to return home from school. Ruth would be heavily criticised for this delay in contacting the police. Ricky was only six years old. The schools end at around 3pm. That's a long time for a six-year-old to be late. Especially if the school was only a short walk from their home. He should never have been that late and getting back. Although perhaps it was normal for Ricky to go straight out to play and not check in after school. This could be seen to most as neglectful behaviour. A witness did come forward to say that they had seen Ricky alive as late as 7pm that night. His time of death has never been pinned down and investigators were unsure if he was killed through the night or the following morning. But if he was seen as late as 7pm, that means that he was still alive when Ruth initially reported him missing. It was the next day on the 29th of November that the search for little Ricky would stop. His body was found in the woodlands not far from his home at around 12pm. He was naked and had been strangled to death. Although Ricky was found naked, he was not physically sexually assaulted. His school uniform would be found the next day in a bin, not far from the woods his body was found, and Ricky would later be laid to rest on Valentine's Day in 1995. Police at the time of the murder appealed for any witnesses who may have seen Ricky that day or anything that they found suspicious to come forward, and many people did. As said before, many had seen him at the local shops throughout the day, like he was coming and going from that spot. That is why so many believe he was taking refuge in an abandoned property close by. Another witness did come forward to say that on the day that Ricky's body was discovered, he had seen something suspicious. He was a paper boy and on his morning route on the 29th, he had seen two teenage boys coming out of the woods where Ricky's body would later be discovered. The paper boy claimed that when the boys had seen him, they ran off in the opposite direction. And it was just five hours after this incident that Ricky's body would be found in those exact same woods. But despite this, police at the time strongly believed that Ruth had something to do with her son's death. As previously said, they tried to build a case against her for his murder, but they couldn't get a murder conviction. Although they did find her guilty of child neglect and cruelty, there wasn't enough evidence to suggest that she had killed her son. Ruth would go on to spend six years in prison, serving most of her seven-year sentence, and she was released in the year 2000. She went on to marry her current husband, Gary, and although Ruth did go quiet for many years, not discussing Ricky's murder publicly, Gary said that Ruth told him about Ricky straight away and he could tell by how broken she was over his death that she had nothing to do with his murder. He vowed to her that when she was ready, he would help her find answers for her son. And he kept to that word. In 2014, Ruth appealed to the police, begging them to reinvestigate her son's death. And in 2015, the police obliged. It was also in 2015 that Ricky's case appeared on Crime Watch to try and appeal for witnesses. They had created two sketches of teens that Ricky had been seen with at the local shops. The reinvestigation was promising. It had been over 20 years and there had been so many advancements in technology and forensics that people were really optimistic that this cold case would finally be solved. The investigators created a map of Ricky's known movements and opened a temporary police station in the area in the hopes that witnesses would drop by and share any information. Due to the efforts of both family and police, there has been significant movement in this case as recently as this year. In the beginning, Ruth was obviously the prime suspect due to the high number of witness statements accusing her of abuse and neglect. Ruth was upset at the police back then. In her opinion, she believes that she was scapegoated. Although there is no evidence publicly to support this case, this is just her opinion. She has said how horrible the years have been, having to cope with the grief of losing a son, being incarcerated, as well as the public blaming her for her son's murder. 
Ruth has said how difficult she finds every Christmas and every birthday of Ricky's and how unacceptable it is that his killer or killers have been walking free all this time, getting to carry out their life as if it had never happened, while it derailed her whole family's lives. Ruth has expressed her regret for pleading guilty to neglect and cruelty, which I mentioned before. She felt that she was kept in the dark regarding the details of her trial, and she claims that she was unaware of the extent of the statements made against her. She stressed that most of them weren't true, and she claims that as a result of pleading guilty, she lost everything. She speaks of the heart and pain of losing Ricky, and then going on to lose her girls, her home, and her freedom. I think it's important to provide the whole narrative, which is why I also mention how one of her children have spoken out and confirmed this abuse. And keep in mind there had been multiple witness statements to support this claim too. Even though she was cleared of his murder, a lot of people still believe she was responsible. People have said that even if she didn't kill Ricky, she was still indirectly responsible for his death. Because had she been a more caring and attentive mother, he wouldn't have been in that situation. But the tide of public opinion started to change in this case when new lines of investigation started to be looked at more closely by police. Ruth and Gary were shocked to learn that some incidents had took place in that town around the time that Ricky had been murdered. There had been multiple attacks on young children around the same time that Ricky was killed. In June 1992, just two years before Ricky's murder, a boy had been found naked and tied up in the woods. He had been assaulted. And just two years after that, the summer before Ricky's murder, another boy had been assaulted, stripped naked and tied to a tree. He was told he would be strangled if he tried to get away. And this is sadly the cause of death for Ricky. He had been strangled to death. This incident was both close in time and place to Ricky's murder. Some people also believe that it could have been a copycat killing. It was February 1993 that James Bulger had been taken from a local shopping centre in Liverpool. This was just one year before Ricky was found dead. His mum had just tried to pay for some shopping. She looked away for less than a minute and James was gone. Two boys had kidnapped him and later that day they killed the toddler. This was an extremely horrific story that grabbed the media and public's attention and it is a still well-known case today. Because of the close time frame between the murders, some did speculate that perhaps it could be someone trying to copy the infamous crime. On top of the past incidents, Ruth and Gary also believe that the paperboy's statements were not taken seriously enough at the time. They believe that the police were too focused on Ruth and didn't look at other lines of investigation at the time. In current times, the new investigation has unearthed a new suspect. James Watson, who is now aged 38, making him 13 at the time of Ricky's murder, has been charged. I was pretty surprised that he was named publicly as normally children who commit crimes get to remain anonymous. Although perhaps because he is now an adult, he was named, or perhaps it is at the discretion of a judge who can decide if they get anonymity. James Watson does have a criminal history. In 2011, he was actually jailed for five years because he committed arson. He had set fire to a British Transport Police base, which impacted up to 50 crimes because evidence of said crimes were destroyed by the fire. It wasn't until 2016 that Watson was originally questioned in relation to Ricky's murder, 22 years after Ricky's death. Watson was released on bail and fled to Portugal while he was supposed to be respecting his bail conditions. It was reported that Watson claimed that the police were trying to frame him for the killings and he had nothing to do with the murder. He boasted about how he didn't even need a passport to flee the country. He just drove a mobile home right onto a ferry and that was it. British police did extradite him and brought him back to the UK and he was kept in prison for breaking his bail conditions. Watson has been charged in February 2020 this year for Ricky's murder. He appeared in court later that week and he didn't enter a plea at that time. 
but it has since been reported that he has entered a not guilty plea. There has been some issues that have arisen due to his extradition from Portugal. These issues will be discussed on the 5th of June this year. The trial is supposed to start in October this year, but this may be delayed depending on what comes out of this hearing on June 5th. Although I think everyone should try to keep in mind that everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, and a charge does not equate to guilt. I look forward to this trial and hope that another cold case can finally have answers and his family and friends can finally know the truth about what happened to Ricky. You have been listening to Monsters or People. You have been hearing the case of Ricky Neve, and as always, I hope that both Ricky and his loved ones find peace and closure. 